When you think about Greek life, Christian faith might be the absolute last thing that comes to mind. But we not only believe that it's possible to be Greek and Christian, but also that it's the best way to experience Greek life and grow your faith. We have real, honest conversations about how to approach Greek life from a Christian perspective, including things like recruiting and pledging, drinking and drugs, sex and dating, leadership and philanthropy, and much more. This podcast is by Greeks and for Greeks. Our hosts and guests are all members of fraternities and sororities who collectively have decades worth of experience living out their faith in Greek life. Welcome to the Greek and Christian Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. If you are just joining us, we have just launched a new season of the podcast all about leadership, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, But, you know, I don't want to delay in welcoming our guest. So our guest uh, is Mark, my friend Mark. We're lucky enough to have him again. Uh, If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that he's come on as a guest in the past. He's served as my co-host. Um, and in a previous episode for this season, he was on as my co-host, and today he's in the hot seat um, as our guest. And so, Mark, I'm so glad you're here again. Hey, buddy. Hey. Yep. Good to see you. Yes. And uh, yeah, hot seat is right. Speaking of hot seats, that reminded me of my recent SUV search that I've been doing. Ooh. Yeah. So heated Do seats tell. high on my priority list. I live in Indiana, where it's currently dumping 10 inches of snow on us. And, uh, and so, you know, if you were researching SUVs and you're looking at like, what would you like to be driving around? Tell me, tell me how this hits you. Would you rather be driving around in a Highlander or like a Santa Fe or like Mm. a Sorento? Those all sound nice, right? Yeah. How about this one? Tiguan. Oh no, Mark. Uh Don't get a Tiguan. Here, here's the thing. Like, can I tell you? Highlander. Well, finish your story, and then I'll tell you my story. Well, yeah, sure. Highlander transports me to maybe like Scottish Highlands, Sorrento, yes. Santa Fe, both places that I think I would like to visit. Great. What I would like to know is the consumer market that said, "I would like to drive around in something that somehow resembles like if a tiger and an iguana were to procreate." I want that car. <laughs> I am. I don't. That, maybe that's just not me. Uh, if that's you, listener, and you own a Tiguan, um, cool, understandable. I'm currently driving a Prius. Yeah, I, as a consumer, I'm left scratching my head on that one. Yeah. Oh, Mark. Mark, we are also yeah. looking for a new car for me, mm, um, nice. an SUV. So I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, my husband and I are currently building a house up in the mountains. And so it's pretty crucial uh, for us to have cars that have four-wheel drive. Yeah, um, so anyway, do it. no. We're looking for a car, and Mark, I used to have a Volkswagen Tiguan. You, you had a, t- oh my gosh. Used to, right. Oh, yeah. And um, so, just disclaimer, Volkswagen, we're not hating on you, maybe just a little bit. If you do want to sponsor this podcast, I will not say no to that, mm. but had a horrible experience with the Tiguan. Was so, it with the tiger part or the iguana part? Which part failed you? Mm. The, I would say it was probably the iguana part. Um, yeah, so we got stranded. You ask me. Mm-hmm. What? You got stranded. I'm not surprised. An iguana would do that to you. I know. Exactly. We got stranded in the middle of nowhere, uh, Nevada, um, Thanksgiving weekend on our way home. Um, and I just had a baby. So my son at the time was about three months old. So like 
road trip from hell. Got stranded in Nevada, and Carr just, like, died. Ugh. Her name was Heidi, and she did not deserve such a good name as a car wow. for stranding us. So, literally, she's sitting at her friend's house in their driveway, inoperable, and we are looking mm. for a new car. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you know, get a Tiguan if you want to get a Tiguan, but we had a bad experience. You know, I don't. And, and it started, it was just a bad start with the name. So, I'm glad, thank you for verifying that, uh, yes, sixth sense that I, I already had working in my favor as a consumer. No good. Okay. Alrighty. No. So there you so go. I'm glad I could warn you away. This was like um, serendipitous, you know. I feel like I this so. was really the Lord already with us, you know, me and, sharing my story of pain so that you could avoid pain. I'd say that there's some sort of dovetail there with our topic as well. I, <laughs> You're I think right. that there's a Yeah. That's a very good point, Let's Mark. Let's talk about so, failure, Tiguan. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. So perfect segue, Mark. That was great. So let me reorient our audience on uh, what this season is all about and our topic for today. So this season is all about leadership. And I mean, I don't have to spill the stats about leadership in Greek life for this audience, right? You know that your alumnus, your alumni make huge impact in the world through their leadership. And so Greeks, I think, really understand the secret sauce of leadership. Um, but we're posing the question, what about spiritual leadership? What does it look like to be a spiritual leader in your chapter? Maybe you're interested in starting a Bible study, or you already lead one, or you're taking one over. Or maybe God is just starting to bubble up this desire in you to connect your faith with your Greek leadership. So this season, we're going to be spotlighting a different leadership challenge or issue each episode. Um, and so this episode is going to be all about success and failure, right? Um, and Mark has just great experiences in uh, leadership, both, you know, understanding a really good sense of how does God define success in leadership? What does failure mean? And so I'm glad that it's my buddy Mark today who's going to be talking about this. And, you know, Mark. Appreciate that. You're welcome. People know you, but I feel like I have to tell them again. Like, you're a Delta Upsilon. And I like yes. to say it Upsilon because I feel correctly. really proud of the fact that I pronounce it correctly. Mm. Warms the heart. Good I job. know. A lot of people pronounce it incorrect. I'm not even going to say the incorrect uh, pronunciation because we don't need to we don't need to give it more airtime. Yeah. Um, but you're a yeah. de proud Delta Upsilon. You yeah. went to... DePaul yes. in Indiana. Yes, that's correct. With a w. Yes. Good job. And Mark, if you guys don't know this, so he works with Greek University. Uh, I do too. Um, but Mark oversees ministry. Tell us a little bit about your role with Greek University. Great. So Associate Director of Growth. We're kind of looking at uh, lots of parts of the country where we want Greek University to be stronger. It might be your part of the country. You know, mm -hmm. If you're hailing from like Alabama or Florida or Oregon or New York or there's lots of places across the country where we have huge Greek systems that we wish we were reaching like right now. We just don't have the student connections yet, but that could yeah. be you. So man, pretty easy. You know, reach out to us on Instagram and uh, yeah, might find yourself on the other end of an email from yours truly. Yes, I love it. If, you, if you've if you been listening to this podcast or this is your first time listening to it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'd love to have Greek University on my campus, we absolutely want to help you do that. And so like Mark said, follow us on Instagram, send us a DM, um, or if you go to our website. Email. Yeah, yeah, I'm very yeah. nice via email and I have um, he is. That's very impeccable true. grammar. Pretty good. 
to go. Oh, yeah. nice. So oh, my gosh. This is something the audience should know that makes you seem really cool. Uh-oh. Is, uh oh. Mark is in a master's program at Harvard for writing. We went there. Okay. Well, let's say <laughs> if Harvard were to have a community college, it would be. Stop it. And, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very open, um, yeah, kind of a forum, you know, great professors and uh, just trying to. I think they're taking the the goodness of their uh, university and spreading it uh, broadly, so it sounds much more prestigious than it is. Promise. Yep. Well, Mark Mark is uh, very he's good at self deprecating humor, as you will find out, and uh, you know. But I would say it's pretty cool that he's doing this writing program, and mm. I think it's it's more prestigious than you would make it seem. So. <sighs> Well, Allison, I appreciate that. But I also know that, you know, anybody, you could have brought anybody on here to talk about success. But our topic is not just success. It's success and failure. And I just feel honored that you've thought of me. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome, my friend. So I know Mm -hmm. that you've thought deeply about both things. And, uh, you know, my favorite, I think, you know, sure, when people share their successes, that's awesome. But I think all of us maybe have this fear of failure deep inside. And when people share their failures, honestly and opening openly, um, I think that that just helps us relate, you know, and feel less alone. So appreciate you being there. able to vulnerably share about those topics today. Um, and so, right, we're talking about feeling, succeeding. And I'd like to hear from you, like, what do you think it means to be successful in spiritual leadership? Like, is it the number of people who come to your Bible study? Is it whether a brother or sister decides to believe in and follow Jesus or something else? How do you think God defines success in leadership? Yeah, well, that's great. Uh, according to the, uh, in the biography, I believe, of um, Ricky Bobby, he is noted <laughs> to have said that if you are not First, that you are indeed last uh, and recorded in Talladega Nights, I believe. And that, uh, yeah, that's that's a captivating philosophy, right? You got to be first, feel like there's a little pressure there in the world to maybe move that direction. And I uh, feel like I tried, tried that philosophy on for size here and there. And I don't know, maybe crazy to think that it's seeped into our Christian culture mm. here and there. This idea of, uh, you know, winning growing things bigger is better all those yeah. kind of sentiments that go together i will say uh I'm, i've definitely been in that camp before where it feels like mm-hmm. man i've got a bunch of people coming into this bible study we're winning we're winning at leadership christian leadership right. big bible study check we did it as if that was kind of like the end goal maybe uh, yeah well i think that's yeah. true like in our greek life standards too like i think about sorority recruitment and it's oh, like yeah. We got the class biggest pledge class. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That size, however, is not everything, I think, you know, in Christian leadership. So we can we can talk a little more about that. Um, but I, I want to start there as a great you know question of like, okay, what, what does success look like? And now we're, we're in this conversation of, well, maybe what do we think it looks like? And maybe this is the default, right? Is uh, And I, I want to say, if you are a someone who's leading a Bible study, who wants to lead a Bible study in your Greek chapter. Um, it's not wrong to want lots of people to be in the room for a Bible study. That's really yeah. good, right? You're, it comes from a good motivation of wanting more people to experience like the goodness of God, right? You've experienced mm-hmm. Jesus. You want your brothers or your sisters to experience Jesus in a similar way. And you want more of them 
to to have that exposure, gospel touch points. That's why you start the Bible study, right? And then there's something that happens internally for me at least where I can then kind of like, well, how do I know how I'm doing? Is this going well? Maybe the just the easiest thing to do is to look at how many people are coming, right? That's the easiest right. validation of like, great, 10 guys coming out to this Bible study, 15 guys coming out to this Bible study, 20 guys, wow, must be doing something right hmm. uh, because more is better. Um, except when it's not, right? Hmm. Uh, and so large right. amounts of people in your Bible study, that doesn't necessarily justify anything, right? Like you can have a, a whole host of people in a Bible study or in a church or uh, any any place really. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's you know, good uh, or, right. or beneficial, right? Like um, instead, I think we have to look at a couple different things, right? Um, so if it's not about the numbers, what's it about? And I, I'll say just... Um, Speaking from personal experience, I probably look back at what I thought was a really successful Bible study. I hosted an interfraternity Bible study at DePauw, and we had guys from um, like nine different chapters coming. We probably had 15 to 20 guys most weeks. We had like the senior class president and the middle linebacker on the football team and like lots of like bratty guys coming. And as I look back, I think, but what were we actually doing in that time? And I would say we talked about like various Bible verses in our lives. But did at any point in time, were they confronted with like the person of Jesus? Were they asked to really like dig in about what they think about Jesus? Were they given experiences with the person of Jesus? And uh, my answer there would be like, maybe, hopefully, sometimes by God's grace that he found ways to work in spite of my leadership there. But but you know, big old Bible study today are those guys following Jesus? I don't know, you know. Uh, and if I if I had it all again, I I would love another chance, you know, to to have a Bible study that actually centered on the person of Jesus, that sought like transformation in the people that were coming, no matter if it was twenty two or two, right? I think that's where like I probably felt justified in the Bible study I was leading because of the numbers. But I wasn't looking at the content of what was actually happening, um, and and I think that's one one piece that I'd I'd want to think about in Christian leadership is like to what end are we leading, and and if it's just for bigger ministries, I think that's a miss. Uh, that instead, I think there's something about like actually seeing the Holy Spirit transform the lives of the people around us. Because we're opening up spaces, we're opening up scripture, we're leading people into prayer, we're leading people into experiences of Jesus. That seems like that seems like that would be one element that I'd, I'd say is success. Yeah. yeah, so what I hear you kind of saying is, you know, sure, there's these external things like numbers. No, you know, desiring people at your Bible study isn't necessarily wrong, like having large numbers of people come. Um, but it's not necessarily these external indicators that tell you if something is successful. It's more this idea of transformation. You know, are people experiencing Jesus's transformative power in their lives? And, you know, I would even add, are you experiencing Jesus's Ooh, transformative good. power in your life as you lead? It sounds like that's really what success looks like. Let's, let's also then, um, I want to focus on that question of like okay so if it's if it's not about the numbers well yeah what about that like lower limit of like 
what if zero people are experiencing transformation yes. in your Bible study because there are zero people coming to your Bible study? Um, yeah, I mean, well, the coach in me wants to be like, hey, let's talk about how to get more people at your Bible study. Have you tried like in-person invitations, inviting people face-to-face instead of just a group text? That aside, however, lovely story of a, uh, a chapter ministry leader through Greek IV at DePauw, my alma mater, uh, and she was a pi-fi like yourself, Allison. And Pi-Fi was just notoriously the hardest place to start a Bible study on campus. We had uh, 14 chapters out of 16 connected at DePauw. It's a you know small school, 2,300 people, but it's like two-thirds Greek. So uh, if you don't go Greek, who knows what you do at that campus. But for those who are Greek, you join one of these 16 chapters um, for the, the IFC and Panhel side of things. Um, there were a couple other chapters that were either NPHC or MGC that were hanging on, but it was a very small amount of, uh, of people who were involved at such a small school, uh, which I think was also a different uphill battle. So PiFi, one of the hardest places to start a ministry. And uh, yeah, she had zero people come to her Bible study for the first semester, like a whole, wow, semester, the whole semester of zero. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so we were meeting together at this time and I was trying to coach her through this and we talked about different ways to maybe get more girls in the room, make a chapter announcement, send, you know, individual text messages, actually invite people in person and, you know, continuously had zero people show up. And then she's super discouraged, but also had like perseverance. She kept going. She kept offering that. She kept making the announcements. She kept the time consistent. She kept... uh, and so the, the conversation became less about like, well, how do we get more people in the room? And more about like, okay, well, what what are we doing with that time? And she spent the time that she would set aside for this Bible study praying through her composite, praying for these girls who she wanted to minister to and probably was ministering to in different ways, just wasn't happening through the Bible study. Um, and I loved just that, like, this picture of her faithfulness to what she had I think been invited by God to do. She felt this invitation by the Lord to start a Bible study in Pi-Fi where there hadn't been a Bible study for a while. And and if all she could do was pray for her sisters for that, you know, for that hour. Um she made the most of it. She made the most of that. And I think that faithfulness speaks volumes about like what success is for us as leaders. I love that, Mark. There's kind of a catchy or sticky phrase that we use around Greek and varsity about success. Um, in ministry and we talk about how you know success isn't necessarily fruitfulness or the outcome although that's a really amazing thing if you get to experience you know seeing your brothers and sisters many of them coming out to your bible study or coming to faith but it's more about faithfulness that the fruit or the outcome is god's job and really our job if if we're saying yes to god's invitation to leadership is to be faithful when we say that yes and that that ties into our conversation that we just had uh with christine about saying yes to god's invitation is you know when we say yes just because it doesn't look like what we think should be a successful yes doesn't mean we were wrong Um, it's really about being faithful i think especially in those moments where the rubber meets the road and you know you might have a situation where no one comes to your bible study or you know people reject you or you know say things about you behind your back you know it's can i continue to be faithful to what god has called me to even in those hard moments yeah that's good 
That's good. And I think that like there will probably be hard moments in mm-hmm. just about any form of Christian leadership because I think Christian yeah. leadership in and of itself is kind of planting a flag and saying, hey, instead of the world, instead of the world's like wants and needs and the way the world does things, I'm actually planting a flag in the ground and saying, this is going to be for the kingdom of God. I'm going to do something yeah. different here and we're going to create a totally different space in almost this little like pocket this little bubble this gospel uh you know little pocket in this craziness of the world that says yes. hey here here's going to be the space that's different yes. come join me you know and that's just hard you're going countercultural every time that you, mm-hmm. you know, in, a, in a greek chapter especially right like if you're the guy or you're the girl making announcement a chapter that says hey we're starting a bible study yeah i know that we <laughs> we don't usually do that but right. i'm going to actually be the one to stand up and lead this thing would you come join me Wow, like for sure, that that's a sacrifice in and of itself to just even self-identify as not just like someone who's trying to make their faith a priority, but saying, yeah, actually, I'm even going to lead us in that direction. Like that's that's a sacrifice, and I just want to say thank you to all the people out there who you've done that. Like that's you. You have, in some way, made that sacrifice of saying, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna create a gospel space in our fraternity, in our sorority. I know that comes at a social cost. Um, among other costs of like time and energy and things like that. I just thank you. I'm so grateful. That's awesome. I love that. I'm wondering, you know, you shared that story of the Pi Phi at DePaw, but, you know, even in your work now across the country where you're, you know, yeah. coaching students, um, I'm wondering, you know, do you have a story of where you feel like, you know, a student is grappling with or, or moving into what it means to be a successful uh, leader, ministry leader? Sure, great question. Um, side note, by the way, our Pi Five friend, second semester, did end up having a handful of girls that would come out to her Bible study, which is just great, you know. And it wouldn't have happened if she had not stayed faithful to that and kept going. And so, I just love to, you know, love to see stories like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, in terms of then stories of students these days, I I can think of a couple places where um, just a season ago, right, we were in, uh, you know, all things COVID and campuses were virtual. Some of you might still be virtual at this point in time. And, uh, and I would say that would not be the typical time or place that we would think, yeah, yeah, now's the time that I want to start up a Bible study, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to put in this same time and energy, but we can't even meet in person. I'm going to gather people on Zoom despite the fact that you know maybe they're experiencing Zoom fatigue, despite the fact that it's definitely not as you know personal to be on Zoom connecting that way instead of in person, and all the things, all the difficulties that could go with it, I just think most where most people might have said, "Uh, not worth the effort." I can think of at least two sorority women who said, "All right, now's the time. We haven't had a Bible study before. We're doing it," and uh, and so it started up you know a Bible study in the middle of of COVID, and so. I, I'm just super excited about that. So I'm thinking of uh, a girl at UGA and, and at Georgia and then another in Virginia that uh, that started up Bible studies virtually in the middle of COVID where none had existed before. Super cool. I, I love that. I think there's a sense of like tenaciousness about that. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I said yes to God and no matter what, 
I'm going to follow through on that, whether there's a global pandemic going on yeah, right? um, or nobody shows up or, you know, I get, I face a lot of backlash and criticism. I, I really love that kind of tenacious uh, leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wonder what character quality, you know, so there's the tenaciousness. Oh, yeah. I wonder if there's also some element of having decoupled, having unhooked their own uh like sense of worth or their reputation mm -hmm. from the like outcome of that like bible study yeah. or from that you know risk of of starting a bible study let me, let me say that in another way i wonder if they found that it's really not about their brothers or sisters rejecting them i wonder if they've discovered that it's really more about their brothers or sisters having the chance to say yes or say no to jesus mm. and okay. gosh when when you reach that place in leadership it's really I think it's a really healthy place to be where it's not about you or your kingdom. Right. It's just like, okay, I'm going to start this thing. And if, if they're not interested or if I get pushback, if I get backlash, it's really not me that yes. they're you know pushing back against. It's, it's really the, there's, there's a, there's a distance that they're creating between themselves and Jesus. And I'm going to work to close that gap you know, in mm. every, any way that I can, but, but it's not personal, you know, in that sense, it's like, well, this, this is worth trying. And it's worth failing at because it's yeah. actually about Jesus and not about me. Mm, I love it. Well, on that note, Mark, we're going to take a quick break. Um, but when we get back, we, we're going to talk about failure a little bit. No <laughs> so, good. I, know. I was hoping Ooh, we'd get to My that favorite topic. Failure. <laughs> Okay, so we are back. Failure. Maybe just hearing that word makes your palms sweat a little bit or your stomach squirm. Um, I think in Greek life, failure is often not an option. I remember talking with a fraternity guy, um, one of my students, when I first met him and I said something about failure and he's like, oh, failure, yeah, not an option. Never, <laughs> never, ever. Um, and so, Mark, I'd love to hear like, what do you think about the word failure? Ah, uh, doesn't it like even the word itself? I don't know what's going on with the letters in that word. It feels like <laughs> F, and it feels right that it would be like fail. I don't know, Ugh, right? Like, right? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm right there with our our all of you Greek friends across the country. That sounds terrible. Obviously, no one seeks out failure, but like Greeks more than anybody, maybe like we probably try to mm, avoid it whenever possible, and if maybe keeps us from doing some things, right? That like, oh man, if there's a risk of failure, I'm not even going to try that. I'm gonna only going to do the things that I know I'm going to succeed at. Um, which, you know, for Greeks is a lot of things, you know, uh, we're pretty capable people, but uh, yeah, yeah. Don't love, don't love thinking about failure. Well, yeah. And I, I think it's interesting because I think there are ways that we as Greeks define failure and then there's how God would actually define failure. And so I think yeah, yeah, for right. Greeks, like it's some of the stuff we talked about in the first half of like, if nobody shows up, I'm a failure. 
you know, if people criticize me for leading a Bible study, I'm a failure. Um, if I, you know, say something awkward during the Bible study, I'm a failure, you know, or if I like don't pray correctly out loud, I'm a failure, you know, or if that one friend, you know, decides that they don't want to follow Jesus, like they tell me no, then I'm a failure. Um, and so I think there's that way of how maybe we think of failure. And then I think, Maybe there's something different in how God sees failure. And so, Mark, what do you think about that? Like, how do you think God defines failure in leadership? And how do you think that either compares or contrasts to maybe how our world or our Greek culture defines failure? Yeah, great, great question. I think of, um, for fans of The Office, they'll remember that Michael Scott has a great quote that he quoted <laughs> from Wayne Gretzky that yes. says that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And I think yeah. there's something there of like when when you and I don't know if you've had this experience when you sense the Holy Spirit when you sense God like nudging you to do something and you're just like nope too risky failure is a harsh word there I think that I'd probably soften that some but that's probably a miss right there's probably a missed opportunity when you maybe have gotten the sense of like oh, I think God actually wants me to start a Bible study. Uh, too risky that could fail my friends will think weird things about me I'm not gonna do it right like it's probably a missed opportunity right who knows what could have happened but if you're just too scared to do it and you're like no not taking the risk even though I feel like God's probably prompting me to do it then that's that's probably one form of you know failure is again really a harsh word in in that sense um, but it, it, I would yeah missed opportunity when like the Lord is kind of prompting us to take a risk and we back down that's a miss yeah yeah yep. yeah I think that's true I think of missed opportunities you know in my own Greek experience and you know when I when I look back at because I led a bible study in Pi Phi and I mm. do not regret the times that I initiated spiritual conversations with my sisters you know even if they yes. went poorly right um I do not regret uh you know taking a risk and giving an invitation to faith during a Bible study, you know, but what I do regret are the times where I felt like God was maybe, you know, urging me to befriend that chapter member that seems totally anti-God, you know, and mm. I just said, nope, I'm not going there. I do regret those situations. And I agree, it's not necessarily this like total failure that, oh, and Allison is like totally done with leadership. She really sucked at bad and, you know, God's going to pull you out of there. You're right. It's more of this like missed opportunity that, you know, I missed something out in my development or my, um, I think, the transforming work that God wants to do in me. And then my friend misses out because I said no. Yeah. Okay. Here's a fun thought that you're, you're touching on. Uh, does God need us to lead things? Ooh, what do you think? I love that, Mark. Yeah. Ooh. And I would say no. And that might okay. be hard for our say, audience to stomach. Say more. I think when I was in college, I thought that God needed me. And that quickly led to burnout. You know, because mm. I felt like I was the one that was going to save my sisters, right? Mm. I was the one that was going to, you know, change the spiritual trajectory of my chapter. Um, but I quickly found out that I'm, I can't transform people. Like that, mm -hmm. that is me trying to make myself into God, thinking that I have the, the power, ability, 
you know, unconditional love, compassion that God has, uh, that I could possibly be the one who transforms my sister. It's putting way too much on my shoulders. And when really God is the one who does the transforming work. And I think it's not that God needs us to lead. It's that he wants us, he desires us to lead because it is good for our transformation. Um, and it is good for the transformation of our friends. Yeah, it's kind of like a win-win situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on the same page uh, where like, I, I probably had that more self-important view of like, oh my gosh, yes. if I don't do this, who will? Totally. And I don't know. I think that's a small view of God's sovereignty maybe. Uh, yeah. you know, I think of like some of those you know, psalms and places where it's like, yeah, if if no one praises God, then the, the rocks and trees are going to cry out. Like there's the sense of like, he doesn't actually need us to do that. He's he's self-sufficient. He, yeah. you know, he can find another way, right? He's he's a big boy, right? Like, he can figure it out. Like, <laughs> right. he doesn't need me. You know, who is he that he could be served by human hands, you know? Like, there is the sense of, like, okay, it, it's probably not actually all about me in this. Uh, yeah. Yep. But I think you're right in saying, like, oh, there's probably some mutual benefit of, like, God wants to partner with us. And... Mm -hmm it can be used for his good in kind of creating again, these little pockets of, of, you know, God's kingdom where it wasn't before in a fraternity, right. in a sorority. Um, but I think you're also right to say, and I wonder if maybe the primary beneficiary is actually us. I think it's like the story of Jonah where yeah. like he could have sent anybody to Nineveh to tell the Ninevites like, Hey, you need to repent. You need, you're going the wrong way. Repent, right? Military term, right. turn around. You're going exactly the wrong way. But really, that story is so much about like God's mission to Jonah, right? Like trying to get Jonah's heart to move to a different place. Yeah. And you know, he goes to great lengths to try to get Jonah's heart to move away from kind of this hatred of the, you know, these, these people that were historically enemies of his people. Mm -hmm. um, but so much of that story is wrapped up in God's kind of persistent pursuit of his leader, not, not even just of the people that he's ministering right. to fascinating yeah i think that's a really good story mark and i think if you read the book of jonah it kind of is sad at the end like jonah ultimately does say okay fine i will go to nineveh <laughs> and care for these people but it's after this whole right like if you spent time in sunday school you know jonah gets eaten by a whale you know and it's he's trying to do all these things to not go to nineveh and it takes a whale eating him and finally jonah's like okay i will go to nineveh um, and so he goes, he ministers to these people in Nineveh and what they all say, yes, we want to worship God. Like it's just, it works. <laughs> yep. And you know what happens though? Jonah's mad about it at the very end. He's bitter and there's more, I mean, you know, we're not going to unpack the whole story of Jonah and where his anger is really coming from. But at the end of it, you know, rather than seeing this as like, wow, God, like you transformed me. Um, to reach these people I really didn't want to reach. And you transformed this whole city of people. Jonah is mad about it. And he has this pity party by himself at the very end. Um, and so it's kind of a downer of a story, but I think that really illustrates kind of what can happen in our hearts. You know, we've been talking about what failure is. And, and really, I think as a leader, it's when we're not open to the transforming power of God in our mm. leadership. It's that's when we, like you said, we see ourselves as self-important, that God needs me to do this and he can't do it without me. So maybe we have this really small view of God or when we get in leadership 
and we hit hard situations and we just automatically say, I'm done. You know, this, I, I heard God wrong or God has failed me. And so I'm, I'm bugging out and, you know, you're not open to the transforming work that God is doing in your life. Um, so yeah, it's not so much about like no one showed up or people are criticizing me. I would not say those are failures according to God when you're being faithful to his call. It's more of, you know, are you, is your heart hardened to what God wants to do in you through your leadership? Ah, that's good. And Allison, I, you know, being in, you know, college ministry now for uh, a while, some years, um, I've absolutely seen leaders who I think have started with such great intentions, experienced mm. that difficulty, and then like drop like everything altogether. Sometimes they'll drop their chapter. Sometimes they'll just ghost, you know, Greek IV because it's like, this was hard. I, I feel like I failed at something. And if it, if it is all about the numbers, if it is all about this feeling of, did I succeed or not based on external factors? Like, yeah, people like, because of Greeks wanting to really distance themselves from failure, I feel that same way. Uh, man, I've, I've seen people distance themselves from the Greek IV community or from their own chapter because it feels like, oh, I, I really failed at this. I'm out. I, I want no, I want nothing to do with anything that I just did because I feel like I failed. And what you've just said would be such a powerful antidote. Hey, what mm. if this wasn't about you at all? What if success was just being faithful to like, you know, trust God's transforming presence in your fraternity or in your sorority yep. and see what happens? Yeah. It's really different. And it really takes the pressure off, right? Like, yes. I, I like how you said, yes, like, just does. just show up and see what God does. You know, you're taking steps, you're being faithful, you know, you're getting the training you need to be a leader, like all those things that help you be a faithful leader. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's you showing up and watching what God is doing and being responsive to what he's doing. Um, that's good. Yeah, I think that. And that's when I, when I feel like I'm in that posture I'm just a much more relaxed and free and at peace leader. I mean, it's easier said than done. And, you know, we're going to experience fears and anxieties and frustration and sadness. Um, but I think there is an invitation to kind of relax in to God um, in our leadership. Yeah, that's great, Allison. Yep. Yeah. Silver lining, uh, by the way, with Jonah, there's at least one school of thought that would say, uh, well, who, who wrote the book of Jonah, probably Jonah, in which case ah. maybe there's some like self-awareness there, even though it doesn't wrap up with a nice, neat little bow. Interesting. Uh, if he was in fact the author of it, then it seems like maybe he eventually had some good life change and transformation at the heart level. Ooh, yeah. I like that. By the so, way, whale you know, or fish? Are you, are you in the whale oh, camp gosh, or the fish I camp? I don't know. I just said whale because I think that's what I heard in Sunday school, but okay, you're probably right. I just... He's, yeah. Swallowed by a tiguan. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Okay. So, hey, if you, you know, go read the book of Jonah. You could probably read it in one sitting. It's not super long. Um, and, you know, that's an interesting, I think, case study in leadership. And I, I like that, Mark. It does end on this kind of, it doesn't end with all neatly wrapped up. But, man, what if Jonah wrote that and was really honest yeah. about his feelings as a leader? I think there's something um, powerful about that as well. Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to hear from you. Right, we're, we're kind of talking about failure, talking about success, um, and we're kind of redefining those things. And so what would you say to Greeks who are afraid to fail at leading a Bible study or, you know, they're walking, they're, they're afraid of sharing their faith with their brothers and sisters? Yeah. Uh, well, Allison, I'm with you in that when I look back on my Greek experience, 
the regret that I have is not like, oh gosh, I wish I would have, you know, been so much safer with my faith and not been, you know, it's just the opposite. It's like, man, I, I'm never again going to have this opportunity to live with, you know, these 80 guys all at one time where we're, you know, eating together and sleeping in cold dorms and brushing our teeth in the same bathroom and all that stuff, you know? Uh, so I only find myself thinking, man, I wish I would have taken more risks in that time. Like knowing how much I have been transformed by just a relationship with Jesus and what that's done for my own life and just who he is and how much I enjoy knowing God more. And it's just like, man, I wish, I wish more of the guys that I loved could have experienced that with me. So I wish I would have just taken more risks with that. Um, you know, in the moment, of course, it feels like there's more on the line. It feels like well, my reputation, what are they going to think? Is Are they going to think I'm weird? And like, absolutely had a couple fraternity brothers who like, uh, mostly in good fun, maybe a couple in less good fun, like gave me some crap for, you know, being a Christian or reading a Bible study. You'll have that, right? With so many guys or so many girls around. But like, that's not the stuff I find myself thinking about years later. It's like, man, you know, if only I would have, you know, been a little more intentional to actually like present the gospel or like have those spiritual conversations, you know, at two o'clock in the morning and, you know, those kind of things. That's what I think about is like, man, I wish I had more of that. Um, yeah, I don't think we've already said some really good things about th that, you know, redefining, you know, failure isn't like you don't have enough people at your Bible study. Right. Um, but it, there might be more missed opportunities around playing it too safe. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. I think that's really good. Um, I'd like to hear too. I mean, do you have any practical next steps for people, you know, for either, you know, our students who are listening, who are going to start a Bible study or who are taking one over or who are, you know, currently leading, do you have any like practical next steps for them as they think about success and being faithful to God's call and, and failure? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think of is that like, it's really hard to give away what you don't have. Right. And so if you yourself, um, are, are not, opening yourself up to transformation and like i would say just like basic spiritual disciplines right like i just don't know anyone who i respect in the faith who doesn't like set aside time for things like reading scripture and praying like daily um journaling is a great practice examines a great practice i mean there's so many good spiritual disciplines out there but like at least like be a part of a spiritual community and read your bible and like Right. And it's, there's nothing magic about it. It's just like, well, these are some of the tools that the Lord has given us to connect with him. And so uh, I, th I think that when when we're healthy, when we're actually making that space, and um, I would say prioritizing that, chances are much higher that you're going to be in a place to be able to create that same kind of space for others. Uh, so it's really hard to lead from a place of, of being spiritually dry. And I'm not saying if you're feeling spiritually dry, you just drop leadership. Uh, but I do think it means Hey, let's let's look under the hood and see what we can, you know, adjust and tweak here. And you know, is it that we just need to recalibrate a little bit here and uh, double down on on actually carving out some time with the Lord? Because um, boy, that's that is the you know the engine that should drive leadership, right? Is is that continual connection with with Jesus? Yeah, I think that's really good. I think we can overcomplicate things as Greeks all the time. Like, oh, I got to read this book, or I have to do this five-step program, you know, to be the best, most successful leader. And, you know, 
obviously tools are helpful. Training is helpful. But I think you're right. Is It is really just as simple as do I have these regular rhythms of being in the presence of God where he's transforming me um, so that I can go and be that agent of God's transformation uh, to my brothers and sisters. And I totally agree with you. I mean, I think when I don't have those rhythms in place in my life, I'm way more apt to burn out, to thinking mm-hmm. this is all about me oh, and yeah. having some maybe unhealthy pride or, or unhealthy shame when it comes to leadership. Um, and I think you're right. It is, it's as simple as having these regular rhythms of being in the presence of God and being in community with others. Um, and, you know, we can help you do that in Greek InterVarsity. Um, Mark, in his role as director of growth, I mean, he's constantly help. You're helping Greeks all over the country connect with each other and connect with Greek InterVarsity so that they don't have to lead alone. Because um, that's another thing. Leadership is never meant to be done alone. Um, God longs for us to lead in community, whether it's, you know, a friend across the country or a brother or sister in your Greek chapter um, that he longs for community. And so Greek University can do that, help you do that. Um, And so here's my little pitch, right? If something is stirring in you for leadership and, you know, you don't have Greek University on your campus, or maybe you're just really marginally connected, we want to help you get connected. Um, And so follow us on Instagram like I've said before, at Greek IV. Or if you go to our website, greekiv.org, there is a contact form on the homepage. Fill it out. Uh, If you fill it out, you'll get a free copy of our devotional guide, and we'll get in touch with you. Um, But yeah, that was really good, Mark. Thank you for everything that you shared about success and failure. Sure. Wow, I feel like I got off pretty easy without having to tell any, like, terrible failure stories. (laughs) Wow. Everybody, make sure if you like the podcast, like and subscribe, leave us a rating uh, so more people can hear about us. And next week, we'll be back with another uh, challenge to our leadership. So it'll be awesome to keep diving into this topic. Um, And again, follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with everything we have going on at Greek IV. And yeah, we'll be back with another episode. The Greek and Christian podcast is produced by Greek InterVarsity a nonprofit college ministry for fraternity and sorority students. Our ultimate vision is to see every fraternity and sorority connected to a community of Greek Christians so that every Greek is just one friend away from knowing and following Jesus. To learn more, find a community on campus, or partner with us, visit greek.intervarsity.org.